And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore have you so evilly entreated this people? Why is it that you've sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done nothing but evil to your people. Neither have you delivered thy people at all. You haven't delivered your people at all. Poor Moses. Now he begins to question God. I say, what a test. But let me suggest something to you, that whenever the Word of God or the purpose of God is revealed, you always have the opposition of the world and the devil. For example, you dig in Matthew chapter 16, first time in the New Testament where Jesus begins to reveal his purpose in the earth. You remember he said, after Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock I'm going to build my church. That's his purpose. How can he build a church? He presents his will. How are we going to do it? I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again from the dead. Immediately, you've got satanic opposition. And he uses Peter. And Peter said to the Lord, This be far from me. Get this idea out of your head that you're going to die. I've already declared you're the Christ, the Son of God, that you will only have the words of eternal life. You're not going to die. Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things that be of God. So don't be surprised that when you and I give ourselves to the Lord to do what he wants us to do, you're going to have satanic opposition. We got here. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Moses, one of the great Bible characters, was called by God to deliver his people Israel. But God encounters a few objections from his man, Moses, and it has to do with being sent back to Egypt to bring his people out in order to bring them in. And Moses offers these excuses. Well, who am I that I should do this? And then he says, well, the people won't believe me. Moses then asks God, what is your name? So God reveals himself as the Lord, Yahweh, the one who is who he is. Here the Lord reveals himself in the one word, Yahweh. And some people say Jehovah. But here is God's self-identification as the eternal, living, self-existent one who is, who was, and who is to come. Let's open our Bible now to Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 with Dr. Mitchell. And we want to thank you for listening along with us here on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you. And we trust that you're reading your Old Testament, the book of Exodus. We're not giving an exposition so much of Exodus as we are dealing with this man, Moses, how God dealt with this man, Moses. Uh, we rejoice in the fact that the Lord gives us these wonderful, wonderful lessons as he portrays to us his dealings with men. And again, I repeated God's method of reaching people is with men of God, with the Word of God, and the Spirit of God in their lives. As Paul could say to the Thessalonian church, our gospel came not to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance, 
as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to the child of God. Always been God's method. Always been God's method. God is not very much occupied or interested in the spectacular. He just takes the regular, ordinary things of life and uses them for his eternal glory. We've been dealing with Moses' objections to the call of God. Just the first thing I want about Moses, he's, becomes, he's to become God's messenger to Israel and God's messenger to the Egyptians. He's the messenger of God. And we see that the purpose of God is opposed by the world and the devil. We have just seen, I say, of how God dealt with Moses, his objections. First of all, he said, who am I? Why pick on me? I'm 80 years of age. I've got a little family. I've got my little flock of sheep. What do you mean? You want me to go and lead that nation of Israel out of Egypt. Who are you? God says, well, I'll be with you. And who are you? I'm Jehovah, the eternal God. And then you remember he hid behind the unbelief of God's people, Israel. They won't believe me. If they didn't believe me at 40 years of age, do you think they're going to believe me at 80 years of age? And God dealt with that. He gave them three signs, a rod, a dried up old stake, which became, by the way, the rod of God. And a, a rod is nothing in itself. It's God behind the rod that does the work. Just like God can take you and me. The power is not us, not our power, not our ability. It's His if we're in the hand of God. This has always been God's way. As Paul could say in Romans 1, 15, as much as in me is. That's all God wants of you and me, as much as in me is. He'll do the rest. And then he hides up behind his in inefficiency. I can't talk. Well, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll teach you what to say. And who will you send to do the talking? I'm amazed at the patience of God. And yet, my friend, if you look at Moses, don't be too hard on Moses. Look at yourself. What excuses did you make for not walking in the will of God? What excuses did you make for not doing things that God wants you to do? So easy for us to alibi, isn't it? So easy, how well I know it and how well you know it. We alibi, excuse ourselves from doing things that God wants us to do. We'd rather do our own thing, just like the world. We'd like to go our own way. And of course, what we do will be done in the energy of the flesh, not in the energy of the Spirit. So God meets every need. And then he made a tremendous statement. Aaron shall be your spokesman, and you'll be to him instead of God. I can't get away from this fact. To me, the tremendous responsibility and yet the high honor that God puts upon those who give themselves to God. We become his living representatives. And I want you to make, Moses, make note that when Moses came before Pharaoh, he stood before Pharaoh instead of God. In chapter 7, you remember the first verse, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you a god to Pharaoh. Aaron shall be your prophet. 
In chapter 4, verse 16, Aaron shall be your spokesman. He'll be your mouth. You'll be to him instead of God. If I may just follow through on that for a moment. God's living representative. What an encouragement. Moses, when you stand before Pharaoh, you stand in my place. All my power, all my knowledge, all that I have, Moses, is behind you. You're standing in my place. Do you remember in John chapter 20, verse 21, the Lord Jesus, just before he went to glory, said to his disciples, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. In John 17, 18, Father, as you have sent me into the world, even so send I them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself. Huh? Take 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in behalf of Christ, instead of Christ, be you reconciled to God. Oh, the tremendous, tremendous place God has given his people. Like you have in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are God's fellow workers. He is on the throne. We're down here on earth. He has all the authority. All he wants is you and me. So we have this, God preparing his messenger and his leader. And I say, what an encouragement. You stand before Pharaoh as God. My Christian friend, may I say this to you today? You love the Savior. He's put you where you are. I know it would be nice to go to some other place. Maybe you'd rather live in Portland than where you are. Well, we've got the unsaved in Portland too. God's put you where you are. He's put me where he has for a purpose. We are here on earth. He left us here to represent him. Jesus said, as my Father has sent me, even so sent I you. Father, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And because I know what the world is, I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth, set apart, set apart by God here in the earth to represent the living God, to represent our wonderful Savior. Christian friend, how much of the Savior do you reveal to the world? How much do I? Evident to the world, the kind of a Savior I have. Is he worth having? Is he worth serving? Is he worth worshiping? Is he worth loving? What kind of a Savior do you and I present to the world, to our neighbors, to our families, to the people with whom we work? You see, well, Moses was a special case in that condition down here in Exodus. That's true. But God found his man. God found a man who would obey. Even though God had quite a time with him, nevertheless, he was God's man. And you're God's man. You're God's woman. I say this very frankly. God is looking for men. God's looking for women who will be dedicated to him and present before the world a Savior who can not only forgive sin and put away sin, cleanse us from all sin, not only give us life eternal and make us children of God, 
but he leaves us down here to represent him. So I ask the question again, what kind of a Savior do we present to the world in our actions, in our words, in our attitude, in all our lives? Behold, I have said you, I'm going to have you stand before Pharaoh as God. You're my living representative. Now, now we come to the question, how they're going to get out of Egypt? Now the leader, Moses. So Moses came before Pharaoh in chapter 5. And the first opposition to the purpose of God was violence. In chapter 5, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Jehovah, the God of Israel, has told us to go into the three days during the wilderness to worship him. Pharaoh said, Who is Jehovah, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not Jehovah, neither will I let Israel go. And you go down to verse 9. Let more work be put upon the men that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words, empty words. This is what Pharaoh is saying concerning the word of God. Vain, empty words. I don't know Jehovah. Now look at it for a moment. Notice his arrogancy. Let my people go. No, they're not going to go. I don't know your God. I don't know Jehovah. And he scorns God. His words were vain words, false words, empty words. Here we see his scorn, his arrogancy, and the result is persecution. Now notice, the contest now is not between Egypt and Israel. The contest now is between the gods of Egypt versus Jehovah, the eternal living God. I know that because when you come to the book of Exodus chapter 12, about the 12th verse, against the gods of Egypt have I poured out these judgments. So when you read on through chapter 11, the, the judgments of God upon Egypt are against the gods of Egypt. And you see, the first test is, I don't know, God, shall I? Let me put in my own words. Pharaoh was saying, shall I, the favored one of the gods, Indeed, one who was worshipped as God? Shall I bow to the God of slaves? Why, preposterous. Moses, if your God Jehovah was anybody, if he was anything, you wouldn't be slaves. Shall I put your God Jehovah over me and my gods? I should say not. The empty words. Get to your burdens. And you remember... They had to make brick without straw. They had to go and find their own straw. And yet, the same number of bricks must be made. And the result was a great deal of trouble. And so they whipped them by violence. They beat them up. Persecution. My, what a test for Moses. Instead of deliverance, more hardship, more suffering. And then the, Israel, the leaders of Israel, they blame Moses for their trouble. You take 21 of this uh, fifth chapter. 
when Moses and Aaron met them in the way, and, and these leaders of Israel said to them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hands to slay us. And now poor Moses, listen to it. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore have you so evilly entreated this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done nothing but evil to your people. Neither have you delivered thy people at all. You haven't delivered your people at all. Poor Moses. Now he begins to question God. I say, what a test. More hardship, more suffering. And they blame Moses. The leaders of Israel blame Moses for their trouble. You know, I've oftentimes wondered, my, what a, a lonely man Moses must have been. The, the Lord had to deal with him until he began to move. And now Israel has turned against him. And the arrogancy of Pharaoh now, when you come to God's assurance of this, when he says to God, why, wherefore, do you, by the way, do you, do I question God in what he does? Listen, whenever God begins to move, the devil and the world always opposes us. Do you know that? The, and by the way, the Lord didn't rebuke Moses for his questioning. But rather in chapter 6, the next chapter, he encourages him. But let me suggest something to you. That whenever the word of God or the purpose of God is revealed, you always have the opposition of the world and the devil. For example, you dig in Matthew chapter 16. The first time in the New Testament where Jesus begins to reveal his purpose in the earth. You remember he said... After Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock I'm going to build my church. That's his purpose. How can he build a church? He presents his will. How he's going to do it. How he's going to do it. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again from the dead. Immediately, you've got satanic opposition. And he uses Peter. And Peter said to the Lord, this be far from me. Get this idea out of your head that you're going to die. I've already declared you're the Christ, the Son of God, that you will only have the words of eternal life. You're not going to die. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. For you savor not the things that be of God. So don't be surprised that when you and I give ourselves to the Lord to do what he wants us to do, you're going to have satanic opposition. We got here. You take, for example, you take, for example, uh, the missionary activity. Take the first two centuries of the Christian church. What's it filled with? Persecutions, prisons, martyrdom. They went out with the gospel, and even to preach the gospel, they were martyred, or beaten up, or thrown in prison, or put in the salt mines to work, or the silver mines to work. Remember this. You take our, our missionaries going to a field today. Oftentimes, new missionaries going to a new field and they present the gospel. Sometimes the very first thing they experience is the opposition by violence. How true it is to in, in our simple experience, yours. 
What a test for Moses. Why, why, Lord, do you do this? And I want to tell you, my friend, how too often we too question, question God in the way he works. Remember, the Lord loves you. I may not understand all that God does, but I know this, that he's working everything out according to his own counsel and will. I know he loves us. And though I may not understand the detail of the opposition or the subtlety of Satan or the various things that come into one's life, I know one thing. He always loves us. He never scolds us. He always, he always cares for us. So you have here with Moses. So in chapter 6, you have God's answer to Moses about the wise and the wherefores. I'm not going to go through the chapter except to say this. The Lord Jesus, or the, uh, God said, now you will see. Now you will see what I'm going to do. And he gives them seven I wills in the chapter. I will, I will, I will. I will bring you out from under your burdens. I will rid you of your bondage. I will take you out from Egypt. You'll be my people. I will be to you a God. I will bring you into the land that I swear to Abraham. I will give it to you for a heritage. I am Jehovah. Now go and speak to Pharaoh. The promise of the ever-present God. You know, friend, I, uh, I can't get over this fact. To me, it's becoming more and more precious. And there's not an hour of the day that he ever leaves us. He understands your special need. I'm talking to some of you who are weak in body. You're suffering. Sometimes you wonder. It just seems the more you try to please the Lord, the more you go into suffering. Huh? I want to tell you that he's right there with you. He will never test you any more than you're able to bear and remember that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What's he doing? Well, Second Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are being changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You ever think of it? Tests and trials, opposition, Suffering, tests, violence, persecution. Why, Lord? Why? The Lord knows. And he never scolds you. You may question God about what he's doing, but you never question his love. You can never question the fact that he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Isn't that wonderful? If I'm talking to an unsaved man or woman, you've never accepted the Savior. In fact, possibly you don't believe there's a God. Maybe you're disillusioned with everything in life. May I say to you that God has made provision for you to really know and experience a relationship with the living God. Jehovah, the El Shaddai, the one who was sufficient for your personal need, for your heart's need. I know this. I know this personally in experience. He's a real Savior. He's a real Lord. And I'm so happy, so glad to tell you, sir, to tell you, dear woman, that Jesus Christ understands your peculiar personal need and he's sufficient to give you peace in the midst of storm. 
He's able to give you strength in the midst of weakness. He can cleanse you from all sin. He can make you a new man, a new woman in Christ. And the same God, Jehovah, who dealt with Moses. And as we go through these chapters, how he deals with Pharaoh and Egypt, you've got to remember that God works all things out after the counsel of his own will. And for his own people, he loves them, cares for them, understands them. And I repeat it again, wonderful thing, he never scolds us. He may discipline us, but he never scolds us. And if you do not know the Savior, may I plead with you, my friend, to know him. To know him is to love him. And to know him means peace of heart and peace of mind. And thank God, the joy of a hope of one of these days seeing him face to face. Now the Lord richly, wonderfully bless you today for his precious name's sake. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.